G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Always good to be able to welcome the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, Martin Isles, for an update on issues facing the nation. Martin, a special welcome along to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back with you. Hey, Martin, there's so much happening. Uh, Big, big issues. But let's start with one of the freshest, most significant things that's happening, this time making a... A, a reappearance in the headlines. Israel Folau, a very controversial claim that bushfires and drought are God's punishment for same-sex marriage and abortion. Uh, that's always a hot topic. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's emerged over the weekend? Well, I think the first important thing is that people stop uh, repeating uh, exactly what the media says uh, as if it is accurately reported. So, uh, you know, we all know that the media exaggerate. We all know that the media sensationalised. We all know that the media are sitting on Israel Folau's doorstep waiting for him to say something. And then when he does say something, you get this kind of garbled, ham-fisted version of what he said put into headlines. And then everyone walks around saying, oh, did you hear Israel Folau said this? Did you hear Israel Folau said that? And they shove it in front of politicians and politicians comment on, on it. And they shove it in front of Alan Jones and he comments on it. And you, you wind up sitting there going, oh, for heaven's sake, this thing's just really got away on us. Um, and uh, the reality is this, um, Israel Folau, he didn't get up and say, you know, thus says the Lord, this bushfire is the punishment for your same-sex marriage laws. Uh, it wasn't quite like that. Um, I've read extended parts of the transcript. I have to still watch the entire 10-minute message that he gave. Uh, but as far as I can tell, what he's saying is something that I think Christians must accept as a live possibility. Uh, because either God is in control or God is not in control, and God has reasons for doing things, and uh, what he says is maybe God is trying to get our attention. Uh, you know, And he says maybe we need to repent. Uh, after all, look at the sinful state of our nation, and he lists some of the things, and he mentions the abortion laws, he mentions the same-sex marriage laws, he mentions the, the rise of these things that are opposed to God. Um and from my point of view, that kind of message is, is, is perfectly reasonable. There's many a, a church uh, through these bushfire-affected areas that are praying several prayers. They're praying uh, prayers of repentance to God. They're also praying for God's help, because we know the Scriptures say that He is our ever-present help in time of trouble, uh, and He is a God of mercy. And in fact, it may well be that these things are in a strange way, an act of mercy on Australia, that Australia would turn back to Him and ask for His help, because it's what we actually need and it's what we've turned away from. Um, no, I don't claim to know uh, God's specific mind in all of this. Maybe it was just an arsonist that lit the thing up. <laughs> you know, we don't know exactly what God is doing. But, you know, biblically, it is always a reasonable thing to do in such moments to ask God for help. And it is a reasonable thing to do to repent of our sins. Um, you look in places like Revelation where there's judgments and there's fires and the condemnation is people still don't repent. Uh, you look in other parts of the Bible where there's oftentimes when God says, you know, repent and, and humble yourselves and pray and I'll heal your land. And you know, there's no principle in that. I know it was referring to Israel, but what he is saying is that, you know, there will be other, there'll be other blessings. There's desolation been brought by your sin. Um, and so all of those things, as I, as I recite them, are perfectly reasonable Christian 
beliefs on these things. I suppose the problem uh, for Israel Folau is that people are sort of waiting and tapping their fingers together and saying, oh, let's get this fella and bring him down again. And, and they will run with everything that he says. And uh, look, maybe he could have been more uh, nuanced and delicate in the way he said it. But, uh, you know, he's Israel Folau and he talks from the heart and he says what's on his mind every Sunday in church. And, uh, you know, I think he should be able to do that. You know, I've heard some commentary that suggests that if it was truly God's judgment on those issues like abortion or same-sex marriage, uh, then the bushfires would have been in Canberra <laughs> where those decisions were made. Uh, but this is, this is an interesting one, though, isn't it, Martin? Because as a Christian, sometimes it sounds a little bit like you have two bob each way, but you cannot say for sure that it is God's judgment as punishment on the land, but you cannot say for sure that it is not. Uh, there is a certain sense in which there is this element of doubt, and uh, I like your uh, position here where there is a call to repentance. When bad things are happening, uh, a nation is called to repentance. What are your thoughts around uh, around those sorts of issues that Israel Folau has really now brought back to the national uh, national consciousness? Well, yeah, I think you've said it very clearly, Neil. Uh, you can't be sure that it is, but you can't be sure that it isn't. But you can be sure of this. Uh, that first scripture I quoted was the one that came to mind last night when I saw this, that God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. You can be sure of that. Uh, and whether or not this is something that has happened because the earth is cursed and it burns, that's just what happens, uh, or whether it is something that God has deliberately allowed, very specifically, uh, because he wants to draw the nation's attention back to him, um, you can't know absolutely, you know, who's known the mind of God, who's been his counsellor. We don't know, but we do know this. We do know that he does help. We do know that he is there, he is in this, and he has a good purpose through the challenges um, that this raises. Uh, and so I think there's always a great confidence for the Christian uh, that that is the case. And um, look, if Israel's voice is one of the voices saying, well, you know, repentance, getting our attention... Uh, these are valid responses for us as Christians, especially when we consider, as we were saying, you were saying in the introduction, Neil, the, the moral changes in our nation and just how serious they must be, how they must grieve God. Um, you know, uh, that's a perfectly reasonable thing from my point of view. And the media will sensationalise it, they'll make it sound unkind and unfeeling and all the rest of it. Yeah, you know, I think if we sat down with Izzy and had a longer conversation about it, he'd say some of the things that I'm saying now. From what I'm aware, the scripture that Israel Folau is drawing attention to from the message that he delivered in his uh, local church, Isaiah 24 verse 5, which says, The earth is defiled by its people. They've transgressed the laws. They've overstepped the decrees and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse has consumed the earth, and its inhabitants must bear the guilt. The earth's dwellers have been burned, and only a few survive. And now, it's an interesting uh, scripture to draw attention to, but it does, in fact, indicate that God is not just as sort of, uh, you know, slippy, sloppy, uh, benevolent, uh, you know, someone off in the distance who doesn't care about the things in the present. In actual fact, God is king and uh, he's able to have control over the things of the earth and he's bringing things all to the culmination in in, in his uh, divine plan. So, uh, so we ought not to think of God as just being sort of, uh, you know, soppy and weak. Uh, there are all sorts of things that we ought to acknowledge about God. What are your thoughts here? Well, that's right, Neil. Uh, there's, you know, there's two sides to the coin, if you like. I think uh, maybe Jesus said it best. He says, you know, he didn't come to judge the world, but he came to save. But of course, the 
clear point that he was making is that he'll come again to judge. And so we've got this kind of uh, this, this kind of two tensions here, where you have you have the reality of God's judgment, you have the reality of fire of God's judgment, which Israel allowed brought up, and you know something that the modern mind really doesn't like to think about. Uh, but perhaps it's a message for our times, precisely because we don't like to think about it. Um, that judgment is real, that God, you know, is pure and holy, and that's one of the great challenges that we have as people who are sinful and defiled. But then, you know, the other side of the coin is we live in a time where God is very patient and he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, as, the, as, as Peter says, where we live in a time frame where to turn to God is our opportunity, and he's opened this great window of grace, and he's acting towards us in mercy. And I would say even, even some of these things can be acts of mercy from God because they turn people's minds to him when they otherwise would not turn to him. And that gives them that great opportunity of salvation uh, to escape ultimate judgment. Uh, and that's where we are in, in, in history. And so there are, is that great tension, but it's a tension that makes a lot of sense when you think that actually God is extending his hand of forgiveness to us and saying, look, time is on your side. Um, repentance is real, but his judgment is real too. And we see early... Uh, early uh, breakthroughs of that judgment sometimes, uh, with the things like the, the earth being defiled and destroyed, as, as, as that uh, scripture says, and, and with the consequences of people's sin, now that you see family breakdowns, and you see all these awful, tragic things, you see the you know, poor kids living in, in, in difficult circumstances because we're in a sinful world. Um, you know, you see the evidences of that now, but of course it just reminds us of something that's to come, and you also see the evidence of God's goodness that is to come, and we're encouraged to turn to him salvation so you're right to draw that draw attention to that uh, to that tension and very mindful too of those communities who are listening to us today having this conversation where bushfire is a real threat and uh, yeah. i know that last week on this particular segment and uh, matt prater was hosting and uh, i think you were asked to pray and uh, appreciate the fact that uh, you prayed uh, for those communities throughout the nation that are going through really tough times right now martin uh, let's talk just quickly on another issue and another one that we'll probably uh, begin to unpack some more as uh, the coming time goes. But the euthanasia issue, it's uh, continuing the debate in Queensland, uh, in Western Australia. Uh, there's uh, further le legislation attempts uh, looming in New South Wales and in South Australia. Uh, euthanasia is the next really big issue that really we have to pay a lot of attention to to try and hold back this sort of progressive morality that wants to change things here, Martin. Yeah, well, the surge is on, isn't it? I mean, um, you've got Queensland and Western Australia being two states that formally entered into processes to legislate euthanasia, obviously, Western Australia being by far the most progressed with the bill uh, in the uh, upper house of the West Australian Parliament as we speak. Um, now, the latest update on that is that one of the upper house uh, MLCs uh, uh, is a guy called Nick Koiran. Uh, he's always a flag bearer on these uh, important uh, social issues um, for, 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 the, for, you know, for good. And uh, he's trying to move a bunch of amendments that would sort of help that bill out, make it a bit better. Uh, a bit more safeguards to be built into it. Um, and uh, one of those, of course, is to try and ensure that the, one of the deficiencies in the bills is, bill is fixed, whereby uh, the bill, in fact, allows two doctors to sign off to permit euthanasia, and the two doctors don't have to actually be independent from each other. So you could go into the same medical clinic and two doctors in a room next door to each other could just say, hey, you know, hey, Bob, could you sign this off? Please, I'm going to sign it off. And you could effectively get these medical centres set up be able to just offer euthanasia, no holds barred. And um, that's pretty seriously bad, actually, because that's the sort of thing that's happening overseas in the Netherlands and so on, where they have these 
on even down the road of mobile youth measure units that will come to your house uh, and do the job if you just call them up. Uh, and so um, that's, those sorts of fixes need to be put through, but there's great resistance to Nick in what he's doing because, of course, if he moves these amendments, it'll, it'll push the past date of the bill out through the new year. Uh, and so, you know, we, we need to pray for Nick and that he's successful in getting some uh, safeguards built in to make this a less reprehensible bill. But, of course, the issue of euthanasia at large, a lot of people argue, well, surely it's compassionate. Surely there are individual cases where this is a compassionate thing to do. Uh, you know, to which you have to say, look, actually, the reason many of us oppose euthanasia is on compassionate grounds, because we know the horror and the suffering that those laws create over time. Uh, and there are individual cases where it might look like a good idea, but as a legal principle, it's a terrible idea. And uh, you see far more harm done through euthanasia laws than good in nations around the world that have adopted it. Um, once you get rid of that bedrock principle that life is sacred and that it is wrong to kill, it's wrong to take a life, full stop, end of story, there's nowhere to draw the line, you know. Why would you say, well, you know, we need to have somebody, you know, euthanasia is available to people who are expected to live for less than six months. Why not eight months? Why not ten months? I mean, if it's a compassionate thing, you, you, should, you should make it more available. Why, why does someone have to be 18? Why not the young girl here who's suffering terribly who's 17? Or 16, you know, why? Why only physical ailments? You know, we've struggled for so long to get mental health recognised on the same level. What about people who are struggling with, with depression and anxiety? And you see all those arguments, and then you end up in Belgium, where you've just recently had three children euthanised just because they were disabled, uh, and that's where it goes. So. It's a very, very wicked thing. It's got to be stopped, and it's got to be stopped on compassionate grounds. So um, we pray for the nation because there are these debates popping up all over the place. Some special honour, I guess, to Bishop Tim Harris from Townsville, who was reported in the Townsville Bulletin, uh, talking in the way that he did uh, to his Townsville diocese against euthanasia. And uh, and uh, he said, when he addressed his congregation, he said, I believe to assist someone to die in an intentional manner is clearly intentional killing. And the church does not believe in intentional killing. And as you say, Martin, some people are divided over this. But when we talk about a biblical response, uh, this idea of intentional killing, it does really quite obviously break one of the Ten Commandments and uh, therefore is something that as Christians, we all need to be very mindful uh, that God's word has power, that uh, that his morality is the morality that is most significant. What are your thoughts on this idea of intentional killing, whether you think it was uh, a compassionate reason or not? Oh, you're absolutely right, Neil. And, and the important thing we, we sometimes forget is that all of God's laws are given for our good and for our blessing. Uh, it even says that immediately after God gives the Ten Commandments, uh, speaking of the law, you know, not to not to intentionally kill somebody, um, God actually says, you know, these laws are given for your blessing, that it may go well with you and you may live long and all the rest of it. Uh, and that's why they exist. They're actually fantastic safeguards. Um, and they're safeguards that Western societies have believed in basically for a long time. Um, and we're trying to unpick them and we unpick them at our peril. Um, and that's what we see in the overseas case studies. And we should never think that these laws are there to be harsh or these laws are there to deprive us, deprive us of some good. Absolutely the opposite is true. And sometimes we just don't see in our own limited minds uh, how these laws are good. And sometimes it just takes time for us to realise with more information that, oh my goodness, yes, they are good. And, and when you go to the overseas circumstances, you just see that so strongly. And I'm 
I'm um, really thrilled, actually, in the Queensland situation, where so many church leaders are actually standing up on this. Uh, there was a big open letter put through the media from a whole range of church leaders right across the spectrum, you know, even more liberal denominations, more conservative denominations, a whole lot joined together to oppose this and to have, uh, you know, the, the Catholic bishop in North Queensland uh, do uh, do what he did in his sermon is great. I think we need more of that, more confronting of these social issues to really explain um, why we believe what we believe. Well, Martin Niles, there's so many issues we could talk about, and uh, we've got into a little bit of depth in these ones that we've tackled today. As always, just wonderful to have your insights each week here on 2020. Martin Niles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, You can see all sorts of updates and resources about how you might think as a Christian about the big issues as they are facing Australia when you go to the Australian Christian Lobby website, acl.org.au. That's acl.org.au. Be able to access Martin's blogs and you do a video a podcast every week, don't you, Martin? And uh, you know, just a, That's right. a little insight here as to uh, as to what you're doing there and what people can actually, you know, I know a lot of people love listening to this segment each week uh, on 2020, but uh, but to be able to access that particular blog that you do, uh, that you can, there's a simple link on the ACL website. There is a link on the ACL website. You can also go to YouTube.com/slash/aclobby or just look for our YouTube channel, or it goes up on Facebook. It's a weekly thing. It's called the Truth of It and uh, I've got to say, it's um, it's become exceedingly popular. So uh, that is that is out there. And Martin, one more thing just before I let you go. Uh, that is the number of supporters that support the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, give us a little indicator on yeah. numbers as they stand, because I know that whenever I hear of the sort of support that is coming from Christians around the nation, I get pretty excited. Uh, what sort of membership have you got at the moment? Look, this is exciting, and it's exciting that we are actually the second biggest political movement in Australia. So we have uh, 100, about 175,000 supporters now. Uh, these are people who have actively engaged with our campaigns. Um, that makes us, you know, about three times or more the size of the Liberal Party, who's the party of government. And we have an average of well over a 1,000 supporters in every federal electorate. So uh, we are in a remarkable position, and everywhere I go, you know, if I go to the Sunshine Coast or if I go out to, you know... I'll, Albany in Western Australia, or if I go down to, you know, the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, you know, we, we can pull together hundreds of people very quickly who are just sincere Christians who uh, follow what we're doing. And whenever we put out a campaign request, you know, we can get a big surge of support. We just did a you know, conversion therapy campaign in Victoria, and we've just got in, in about 24 hours, about 1,800 people have emailed their MPs, and that number's climbing quickly. So people need to be really encouraged that uh, actually God's people in this nation are alert and awake, uh, and there's great things happening here. And when I produce one of these Truth of It videos, which it tends to be full of the gospel, surrounded, you know, all couched in the current issues of the day, uh, you know, the first episode of the fourth season, which was just a couple of weeks ago, dealt with Kanye West. Uh, it dealt with uh, um, global climate change. It dealt with abortion. That's been viewed, at least one section of that's been viewed um, by more than 450,000 people in the last couple of weeks. So there is a, a big groundswell, Neil, and you're right to draw attention to it. And people should be excited by the opportunity and never be despondent and fail to take action because many voices are being raised at this time. And it's the reason that people like me are able to go and see cabinet ministers, able to go and see the prime minister, able to go and see politicians because they know that we've got backing. They know that we've got activated Christians who are willing to do stuff. And that's really, really important.
Well, Martin Niles, great catching up. ACL.org.au. Martin, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. That's my pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.